0: Welcome to the Lion's Roar Dharma Center podcast from Dona Darge Temple. This public talk by Lama Yeshe Jinpa was recorded during a regularly scheduled Monday evening teaching.
1: Welcome everybody and I'm delighted uh, to to see uh, uh, this incredible number of people that are here that are actually uh, reading and studying and meditating and doing service and uh, enjoying their lives. It's great. So I'm very inspired tonight. Uh, uh, Some people are actually reading the Mahayana Sutra Lamkara. uh, The incredible uh, what Thurman Thurman translates as literature. Usually the translation is uh, an ornament of Uh, for the Mahayana Sutras. But uh, one of the things we'll be talking about tonight is how uh, Robert Thurman has his own idiosyncratic way. And I I get it. You know, literature, he's trying to elevate it to, it isn't just, um, he wants to elevate it to the level of of great literature. So that from the standpoint of, his standpoint the standpoint of the tradition, um, it's like Shakespeare and, the Bible or, you know, like that. It's, it's great literature that's meant uh, to be read by uh, every educated person. So he's emphasizing the Bodhisattva Mahayana style of it, that it isn't just meant for um, monastics or scholars, that um, this is something that every everybody should be aware of and that it's uh, great literature. Because uh, an ornament wouldn't... Uh, necessarily have the resonance that it would in India. Um, So uh, I understand why he's doing it as literature, like that. So it's meant to be something exalted, um, something like, uh, you know, the the ornament would be the final kind of um, gracing something incredibly precious, like that. Thurman's a difficult translator to read. How many people are enjoying reading Robert Thurman's translation? A little d- difficult? Not so bad, yeah? A um, little bit. It's probably more 70s, but yeah. Uh, maybe maybe into the 80s. He, he does talk about um, working on it over a course of many years. Um, there, there is a new translation out that uh, I passed on because uh, uh, which includes a commentary by um, Mipham Rinpoche, but the the book is literally that thick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay. It's. Yeah. So. Uh, <clears throat> and this this does have a nice cover. Okay. So. In, in all the texts we've been reading, um, well, the last last one uh, and this one, there's so much bodhisattva activity in that, isn't there? It's just enumerating on and on the incredible uh, qualities and factors and perseverances and transcendences, the paramitas and the, the everythings of the bodhisattvas. Really, really, Laying it out there. If you've ever been discouraged or you've ever been, uh, your practice hasn't been as strong as you think it should be, then we should be reading this text, right? Because sometimes we read this and from maybe a more modern kind of Protestant or something, low church kind of way, it goes, really? Really? You know, it's like, do you have to say all that? Well, we do. We do have to say all that. When we're all doing it, then we can say we don't have to say it anymore. But when when we're not doing it or we need to do more, then we really do need to enumerate. So, uh, they're actually from the writer's point of view, from Maitreya's point of view, from Masanga's point of view, and Vasubandhu, and, and, and definitely from Thurman's point of view, um, you, you know, these are all just, like, real things to do. That's important. So, just on a practical level, if somebody said, um, you know, like, here's your job description, and this is a real job description, um, this is a job description for bodhisattvas. So, um, uh, they, they really do mean it. And, of course, um, from a limited point of view, conventional self, it it would look impossible to do, but it isn't impossible to do from the standpoint of our luminous Buddha nature, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> so, we're not all alone. We're doing it uh, with this incredible, luminous, open awareness, aren't we? Yeah. Good days, yeah, good days, yeah. So when we're describing all these qualities of bodhisattvas, of course, um, these are done completely from uh, uh, a wisdom and striving to wisdom point of view. And they wouldn't be described, they wouldn't be enumerated, they wouldn't be translated, they wouldn't be um, exalted if they weren't possible to do. So when we read it, we should be thinking these are all actual things uh, that I'm doing and I can do. So it should feel very realistic. Actually. <clears throat> this text is um, from a different perspective than uh, a middleway school text, The Madhyamaka school, the middle way school. And this is a little bit different. Have we noticed? So, in this style that came to be known as Yogachara, uh, practitioners of yoga, uh, the way reality is described isn't totally completely different, but a little bit different. Madhyamaka talks about um, absolute. Reality and conventional reality, and how does how does it talk, how is it talked about in this text when we're describing the nature of awareness, the nature of reality? How what, what's different? Anybody want to try to go for it? Current yeah. That's it. Yes. That's it. So, because in Madhyamaka, we just have the conventional world, which we kind of just leave as it is, so to speak, and then we recognize that it's purely relative, purely conventional. It's absolutely relative, meaning uh, it's empty. Correct. From the Yogacara standpoint, um, we have the interdependent world, and there's a lot of debate like, is that the same as the conventional? Mm, Maybe, world of the Madhyamakans. Um, But we also have the completely made up world. Thurman uses what term to talk about the false world? Anybody? Imagination. I don't like that word because I I like a positive, parikalpita for Sanskrit. I like I like to see imagination as positive. I I would, (laughs) it's like, Bob, why don't you call it delusional? That's, you know, like. But I think, probably. Uh, Dr. Thurman would say, well, imagination has a sense of creativity like magician, magic, magician. And magician's things are wholly made up, and that's why I'm using it, where delusions, you know, da-da-da. So I'm sure you'd have a reason for it. But it's it's the completely, like, doesn't exist world. And then we have uh, the absolute nature world, parinaspana. So that also... Uh, is empty, but what's also a little bit, there's a little bit more description about what the nature of that world is and what it points to. Anybody? It's luminous, right? It's also, there's an emphasis in yogachara on the knowing nature. The knowingness. when when we read Madhyamakan literature, it almost feels like kind of objective, like where's the mind in all this, right? You know what I'm saying? Like you're it's just like, well this, it's kind of like math, almost. So this is the way it has to be, but in Yogacara, we're interested in talking a little bit more from what feels like a subjective point of view. In fact, in Tantra, we do talk about subjective and objective. In non dual tantra, we talk about subjective and objective. So in Yogacara, the style is we're very much interested in not just knowing what is true and false, but actually understanding how knowing works and under, trying to understand how misknowledge works also. It's difficult. How do we explain how mistakes are made and then how do you explain how we wake up? There's not that much explanation in really kind of Nargajunian, Chandrakirtian talk about how, how you make that mistake. It just says, well, it's imputed, right? So it's kind of just like saying to somebody, like, stop it. <laughs> huh? Just say, no. just say no. It's just like, yeah, just say no. You know, stop it. You know, like, you know, it's almost like, you know, if we go into so much explanation, we'll just be holding the rock. Just drop the rock, okay? You know, just like, just stop it. Uh, when, when you're realized, then you know, then we can talk about it. But right now, the house is burning, so just run out of the house. We, we're not interested in talking about how the fire started or you know, who started it. Just you know, get, get out of that fixated place. And then once you're out of that fixated place and you have the blissful wisdom realizing emptiness, then why do you need an explanation anyway? Okay. (laughs) But uh, Yogacarans and Tantrikas, we like to know how things work and how we got screwed up um, because people actually um, want to know. So there is a sense in Yogacara, definitely in this text and other text, uh, like, okay, um, we'll talk to you about uh, the arrow before we take it out, right? There's a famous um, phrase, a famous talk in one of the sutras where the Buddha says, you know, you're just asking a lot of metaphysical questions, and it's like somebody who got shot with an arrow, and it's like, you come to me, and you ask, you know, like, please take the arrow out, but Wait, I want to know who shot it, what tribe it came from, what the arrow was made of, and the Buddha says by then you'd be dead.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, Madhyamaka is very much like, take the arrow. We're, we're not gonna, you know, just take it out. The emergency run, take it out. But actually, in in Yogatara's, you'll find, and in uh, many texts, uh, there'll be some. Uh, attempt to give some background or explain. Still not forever, but like, okay, I get it. You want to know a little bit about how you got here because you're not allowing me to take the arrow out. So I'm willing to kind of give you a little bit of context and I'm willing to explain you know what the procedures are, why I'm doing it. Yes?
0: On the other hand, it also seems like there are more instructions on how to take the arrow
1: There are so many skillful means. About how to take the arrow. Yeah, there there are actually very uh, specific means to how to take the arrow out, too.
0: I mean, more so than say, how well,
1: saying Well, we're saying that from a. We're saying that from a Yogacara point of view. From, <laughs> well, more uh, from that. a Madhyama <laughs> from a madhyamaka point of view, they're thinking, well, we're we're going through all these different things, like all the chapters of the root verses, we're, we're telling you why cause and effect is empty, we're telling you why yes and you know. We're going we're we're telling you all this. Um, so there's also a little bit different of what skillful means entails, right? Yeah, so a little bit different. <coughs> Let me, let me stop here for a second and see if we're on the right track a little bit. Okay, silence means everything is totally clear. You've got it. Okay. <coughs> yes. Uh oh. Depends upon what sport. Oh. okay
0: okay
1: something like that (laughs) <laughs> Divisional rounds, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. the
1: Yeah, Yogacara is uh, willing to go a little bit more complex and talk about different levels of consciousness. So we don't find in Madhyamaka talking about the alaya, the base consciousness. We don't have alaya vijñana. You know, we have the. We even have an extra mano vijñana. You know, so we have extra consciousnesses which are posited. Um, in order to explain how misperceived self arises, but we don't really, you don't really find that in, in Madhyamaka. In Madhyamaka, you find out that uh, a very uh, juggernaut of logic that uh, you know we determined it can't, you know, be one or many. You can't be both one and many. You can't be neither one or many. You can you know. So, uh, you know, it's this kind of uh, fourfold logic is applied to every single reality and misreality to determine that it can't be. It can't exist in any of these states. It's very effective uh, to isolate the misperceived self. Okay, so uh, when we're doing analytical vipassana meditation, we're we're using that style. We're saying, okay, we're we're looking for. Will if if there's an atman, the way it feels in just daily life, if there's a self that feels like it's permanent, unitary, and independent and owns things, then we should be able to find it correctly. Right, we should be able to find that. So, using uh, very the style of investigation and logic, you know, we go well. It either has to be, you know, the same as the Skandhas, right? right, or you know, different than the Skandhas, or this both the same and different, or, or not the Skandhas. And we go through systematically and find out. Well, we didn't find it anywhere. We didn't find an Atman. We didn't find a permanent uh, identity anywhere. So we have to conclude that uh, the Atman doesn't exist. The hard part in Madhyamaka is to show how the conventional self still has a conventional existence and operates. But in the Yogacara, they, they try to say, well, we're, we're going to explain to you how we think the conventional self works as well as explaining how we get all deluded. That's quite, you know, what reality is, like it just must be this way, then how, you know, we have just some sense of conventional self, and then also how we get a deluded self. That's difficult. It's, you know, that's why it's, it's you know, it, it kind of winds around and, uh, in a different way, but it's, does it feel more satisfying sometimes? Maybe in this text it doesn't because it's not just pure consciousness philosophy, and also is talking a lot about the bodhisattvas. and weaves it in and out. Yeah, some no. Sometimes it just goes right to it. Various chapters do just say, well, this is this is the way it, it rolls. But as readers, as students. Uh, we have to combine all these incredible bodhisattva activities along with knowingness. They're very interested in knowing how you know. Very much interested in epistemology. The logic of how we know things. Most of meditators in the West, or maybe even in Asia too, they just wanna like get me to the place I don't want I don't want to know how I get there and I'm not interested how I know. Okay. And I and I don't I won't really I'm not that interested in teaching how I got there either. You just either get it when you pay five thousand dollars to some somebody or you don't get it, right? But and Buddha Dharma, particularly and this Yogacara uh, style we we want you to get there, and we want you to know how you get there, and we want you to know how to share with others. We don't want you just to get the right answer, kind of the old math style. We want you to know how how you got there. That makes sense. Yeah. But just to jump ahead, when when we're doing uh, tantra practice, let alone Mahamudra and Dzogchen, the, the understanding in the Vajrayana community is that you you have a combination of Madhyamakan and Yogacharan and viewpoint. It's just so uh, I haven't, I didn't put it on the book list. I thought maybe people would get burned out. But, of course, um, one of the last, the the founding uh, monk abbot of Samye, of course, we know Guru Rinpoche, but really the founding monastic abbot was Santarakshita. And that text is a combination of uh, Madhyamaka and Yogacara. It's probably the last Indian treatise uh, to try to bring those two together. Well, the, uh, it's uh, Santarakshina. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember what it is in English now. It's, uh, so I'll find it for you. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I will in a second. But that one's
0: pretty much the central philosophy.
1: Yes, 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 yeah. So uh, we, we, we could add that. That's one thing to add. Some people might want to do that.
0: <laughs> Something of the middle way, again.
1: Yeah. An introduction to the middle way. Yeah. Madhyana. Uh, Mahayana. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. All right. All right.
0: <coughs>
1: yeah. That was okay. That was okay. The more you know, the more you forget. So it's okay. Robert Thurman has some really interesting translations, which is why I thought it would be valuable because uh, it it might seem small uh, to some people, but uh, he does uh, sometimes go he and she. He's not in the era where he's saying they, but. it, it's important to think that way. It, it really is important, and uh, you know, I think, uh, in other translations, they're just going to stay stay with the male pronoun. I like uh, the way he um, sometimes translates Bodhisattva as genius. Lots of times with. In America we kind of say if somebody's really nice or does some kind of nice act, and they do in Asia too, say, oh that person's a real bodhisattva. But the the pure traditional way is the person's a genius. They're incredible. Like, you know, they're just really like whatever genius we like to think of genius plus incredibly uh, uh, you know, strong bodhicitta, right? Strong moral and ethical and wanna help it. They're just geniuses. It's kind of like going to the Apple store. You make a reservation. You go to the genius bar, right? So, like that. Mm-hmm. And He also has other funny things, like... Um, <laughs> yeah. That's another Yeah. <laughs> For what? For the text we're yeah. About yeah. This this is this is yeah so I'll think of santrachita as the thing like there okay just like that yeah Entry, entering the the yeah uh, Alamka,
0: like yeah, yeah
1: yeah thank you yeah so
0: that's so true there's a translation.
1: So I might, we'll see, that could be an extra credit book. <coughs> yeah. Ah.
0: That's our second extra credit book.
1: Yeah. Has
0: well,
1: I, like well. <laughs> I do, yeah. That was, <coughs> that
0: and, and you might call that the greater guy. Greater
1: yeah, something like that. Yeah.
0: Mahami is Madhyamaka.
1: Yeah. Uh, how does he uh, translate karma? No. Come on, dig into your book. Dig in your book, come on. You can find it. Pull it out there. Elizabeth, you've read it. What do you think? Are you being a mooney today? A moony? A, sil- a silent one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking I'm reading it for the second time. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> really I'd like to know what book are you reading open the book see if you can find how does he how does he translate okay so well the bodhicitta you know The spiritual gene of the Bodhisattva is reckoned the superior because it is a cause of her excellence, completeness, universal value, and inexhaustibility of her virtue. So we got that. What do you got? Mm -hmm. No, we're looking for something else. Um, 6 6 yeah i don't know like yo yeah, oh, you're you're on the electronic version right Chapter 8, page 61, Evolutionary Maturity, uh, a summary verse of the evolutionary maturity of the Bodhisattva, Delight. The
0: boomies,
1: yeah, he's, Well, uh, the Bhumis result from the, ev- the are the maturity, he's, he's you know, karmic evolution is what he's interested in. Yeah, he likes that. He likes the word evolution.
0: He doesn't give us a definition of the words.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's annoying. He also likes the form of
0: matter. Yeah. Which I think is kind of cool, but like to like, well, a lot of people trying to do that to the world's face. That's
1: why. No. It is matter. It is matter. It is matter. Oh, yeah. Yes. It is matter. Oh, yeah. yes. It is matter. No, that's not it. Okay, that's your version. <laughs> You're a Taoist. <laughs> well, over over the over the next week, you know, take take a look at, you know, it's like what you know how how he talks about evolution, right? So the the neat thing that I do like about Thurman is he's very, um, in a sense, teleological. You know, nice big word like, we're, we're moving towards some end. Okay? So a lot of times, Buddha Dharma is portrayed as kind of a steady state theory. Like things rise and fall, and they have no beginning and no end, and it just rises and falls. And, you know, like kind of, we just watch the rise and fall of our breath and then we just live in the now and that's it. Sometimes it talks that way, right? We do sometimes talk that way. and Beginning meditation sometimes talks that way. But when we're talking about Bodhisattva practice and Buddhahood, there's a huge karmic push to wake up. And what is inspiring about Thurman uh, and I took my first class with him in like 1976, as you get this basically evangelical blast. Um, So it isn't kind of like, um, well, you know, we're just watching dharmas come and go and we're not attached to them. You know, we're just kind of, we're just maintaining a certain equanimity and indifference and, you know, that's nirvana. And he'll trash that and really pump the Bodhisattva thing. So, actually, it's very rah-rah, like if, like, get with the program, and the program is the universe, is a Buddha-verse, which is trying to wake up, trying to fulfill its destiny. Very developmental progressive. Um, and the the great lamas I've studied with, that was entirely it. You get entirely that, you know? Like, you don't feel, you know, it's like, uh, in the early 70s, we were all worried about the bomb, right? So, one talk goes out with perm Rinpoche, somebody says, well, all that's great, but what's, what about, you know, there's the atom bomb? And he goes, "We have our own atom bomb." right? We do. So there's not the sense that, oh, the bad guys are really going to win, and we're meek, little our hots, who are just will line up and get shot. No, there's very much a very powerful warrior-evangelical mode. And it's in this text. So what, what's nice about Thurnam is you're supposed to get this kind of inevitability of realization if if you kind of plug in your bodhicitta. You know, you're just you're fired up, very much so. So that bodhicitta, that kind of uh, real feeling of confidence and inability to endure other suffering, is joined with omniscience. You know how you know. And you know the reality, but you also know how you know and can teach it. So, actually, like, uh, I'm reading a text now, but uh, it's kind of obscure, but this is what I do to relax. Like, uh, an analysis of Santarakshida's and his student, Kamala Shila, who we read a lot, you know, how they prove that the Buddha mind is omniscient. I mean, it's a whole long thing, you know, like, because uh, it's important. <laughs> it's not just like, you, you really want to know how you know. And that's why in the monastery, too, uh, and, or in shadras practice um, places, epistemology is a big deal. Perception's a big deal. We want to break it down, So we do want to talk about, even on a conventional level, how do we know what a valid perception is? So uh, we will be reading uh, some texts about Dignaga and Dharmakirti, the, the logicians. When we say logicians, it's really what we're talking about is epistemology, how to really prove that you know what you know. So uh, this isn't just dry intellectual stuff. Uh, it actually is put into practice. And when people get into you know, more tantra and higher teachings, you will be asked, how do you know that's true? And you can't just say, well, uh, I don't know, but I'm a nice person. <laughs> You're on the spot to say, how do you know that? So you want to be able to you know, talk intelligently from your own experience, and from the experience of others, which is all that what the texts are. Like, you know, how how do you, what is valid cognition? How do we know what we know? Not just on an absolute level, but but on a conventional or ordinary level too. Some people have already started reading some Kirtu. Who was it? <laughs> Roberta? Is like, what are you reading? I know, so wow. you had to dig into it but, <laughs> uh we ha- yeah I, we have that um unfortunately a lot of like a little bit obscure things like uh the epistemological logicians are probably all like stuck in um, journals and you know strange little places and uh, that would be a whole reader. But we, when you're teaching others um, uh, and trying to help others, uh, the majority of people um, in India and the West are uh, lazy and skeptical from Buddhist point of view. <laughs> so if you, don't, if you don't know how to address the skepticism or the uninterestedness by you know showing this is how it works, then you won't be that effective. Okay, we're going to take a short break before we do a meditation. So we'll talk again in a couple of weeks, which will give people the opportunity. <clears throat> All the teachings are practical. Really, when it it looks like we're talking about a lot of metaphysical stuff, but um, uh, the value of 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 reading and study is actually, I always see it. I always feel like, like. Maitreya Rasanga is talking directly to me. I don't think I'm reading a book. I feel these are recorded, which they are, they're transcribed. Yeah, they're, you know, it's like you're just getting the teaching. So if you're in a receptive place, they're not just information. That's why if, you're not, if we're not doing any practice and we don't really have taking refuge, bodhicitta, we don't have a lama or guru, then from the classical point of view, there's no way you can be receptive to this. If you've never really been in love at all, and you just hear the words, I love, you can give a dictionary definition, but you have to have the experience. So that's why I say in Tantra, you have to love something or you won't be able to do Tantra. (laughs) That makes sense, right? (laughs) So... uh, the study and the practice will uh, make you available so that uh, when we have, when the experience uh, comes, it will line up with the uh, uh, cognition. That makes sense, right? No? It makes sense. I have a question.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah, But it seems like it would be so much more accessible and you know, easier to absorb for us and also easier for us to then explain to others if somebody would translate the books into kind of the you know, 20th century. So
1: why, why not? Well, uh, generally every, every text, like a text like this, Already contains a commentary, you know, so Vasubandhu. So, what, what Dharma talks are, this, there's commentaries on every main text. So, the commentaries and the commentaries on the commentaries are a progressive updating of things. Um, so, and then contemporary Dharma talks, so to speak, you know, formal talks like, we've had a few formal talks here, like Jada Rinpoche giving a formal talk on. Interdependence or something like that. And they will throw in topical references like that. Right. And so yeah. get
0: you to talk to us a little bit a couple times about yeah. how of books. Right. But it's not a modern translation of all the parts. You know, like, just like you said, it is evolution, that's like karma. I mean, that's like, oh, okay. But. <coughs> Yeah. Like there's some taboo against up, updated renditions of these things Well, if you're doing the translation. What, I mean, so if it's, it's, a be translation, land, it's a butter lamp, it's a butter lamp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> be, you don't yeah. translate butter lamp in the light bulb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But that wouldn't be a translation mm-hmm. that would be there. Right, but it's like yeah. that's yeah. your Yeah, I get the difference, mean <clears throat> that's a huge job in itself, and there's lots yeah. of
1: debate. But the gist, it seems like there could be like a certain number in the gist. Butterland, you still use um, butterland. Yeah, we d- well, the thing is, um, uh, no matter what metaphors we're using, there's, it's still incredibly difficult to grasp this material. We have to be really honest. Yeah, um, you know sometimes what, what what happens what happens with um, you know analogies and contemporary things is it 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 creates a sense of familiarity, but by itself um, you, you're not going to get a realization based on the analogy. You know, so whether we say you know butter lamp or light bulb. You know, we could say flickering butter lamp. You know, um, but the you know saying that the mind is flickering as a metaphor, like toward a light or a candle, isn't really the experience of uh, the what the mind is doing. We're just we're just you know coming up with this kind of metaphor. You know, so we have to really. You know, it's just it is literally a finger pointing to the moon. So we could say, well, you know, we, we want a contemporary finger or we want a finger with a glove, but it's it's still going it's still the you know, saying saying all these words is still no substitute. The actual experience is not gonna look anything like flickering. You know, it's it's just it's just a hint. They're kind of hints. Um the good news is that we're inherently have a uh we are the buddha nature so we can get it if we didn't already have it we'd never be able to teach it if it wasn't right there right in front of us and it's our you know evolutionary potential to know it um uh, we we would never get it you know so all all the metaphors are merely hints it it won't make any difference to say you know to yeah say, well we're getting it by carrier pigeon or by iPhone, because they're hints anyway. that's the point is that sometimes we have to actually hear words and uh, you know know some surface level before it really sinks in you know so uh, yeah so there's a little bit of cognitive connection available there so when we have or a lot so when we have uh, the actual lived experience there's, there's a big container. So you, you want to think of uh, you know, our, the cognitive aspect of the mind that can distinguish words and phrases and, and have an inner organization as being like a container. And uh, the realization is like the water. So that's why uh, in India they discovered that there is this weird correspondence between language, structure, and the ability to contain and organize our experience, understanding while at the same time it's different than experience. So, uh, you know, that's why it's really important to do this kind of work because um, students uh, frequently in Asia too, like uh, studying Zhu Chen, like they. They don't they'll just say they'll come up with kind of new age yoga child, new Age, well, everything's mind. You know, everything's a Rigpa or something. but we have to distinguish between you know Rigpa and sem. you know you have to make that distinction. Yeah. Uh, you know so there is some kind of discrimination going on, so nature, of mind and uh, surface thoughts have the same essence, but they're not the same. and idiot. Dzogchenpas, <laughs> Mahamudras, you know, kind of go. Well, they're just the same. So, why do any practice, right? You know, and da, 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 and I'm a genius, and you know, like that. So there has to. So by doing study, you realize also, you know, a, the limitation of language. So that's one really benefit of uh, the Madhyamakan approach is like language is important but limited. Okay, where sometimes you you know you you can, if you're not very precise, you get screwed up. But uh, it's, it's meant to be like, uh, it, it just feels like, uh, I always come back to, you know, like in the movie The Miracle Worker about Helen Keller. You know, like, Annie Sullivan, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, trying to do the, with the braille on her hand or something. And it wasn't until the moment where the water was being pumped. But if they hadn't done the language work, it wouldn't have made the cognitive connection. She would not have learned language. And that's, that's the Vajrayana um, the point of view. It, it doesn't matter what school it is. It's all the same. You know, you're you're going to start reciting prayers and learning stuff, and you have no idea what. Know, that's like, but it's like we tell our kids, well, you've got to grow up and go to college, or you've got to grow up and take care of yourself, and why are we telling seven-year-olds this? Right? You know, because they have no idea what it means. But they will. Um, you, know. you can get mad at the text. It's not, that's okay. <laughs> but even if you translate it completely I mean, even if you said we're going to have a completely wrapped version of this, it you wouldn't get to realization any sooner because it's just another version of the finger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's your fantasy. <laughs> it, it will. Yeah. Yeah.
0: you know it's like reading Walt Whitman versus reading I don't know transversion, right? They
1: The, who's who's saying it? Who who we hear teachings from? Of course, in Vajrayana makes a big difference too, right? So it's not just a text or ideas floating out, mm-hmm. in, independently. So that's why we're actually doing an authentic program, which is different than any college-level program, and actually different from any, uh, as far as I know, most of the. Uh, other Dharma study programs in the West that I'm very, being very traditional like, well, no, you have to be a Dharma student and you have to take in refuge and do all this to study it. No, it isn't just, you know, we're not just reading this stuff as disconnected from a personal presentation. If if we just hear the words, I love you, just the word go, well, that's nice. But if the right person at the right time says that to us, as they've said a million times, it makes a total difference. you know. But just the same as if the right person at the right time says, I want a divorce, that means different than just the meaning. So you have the, the person and the time and the text have to come together. And then that, that would be, there are some words that we would hear at the right time that would totally change your experience. You know, like that. So that, that's, the, that's the problem, is that we, we disconnect all those experiences and you want to bring them all together. Yeah, so if we hear someone that we love has died, you know, and then it's a complete surprise, we're, gonna, we're going to have some real effect on us like that. And that's what the text is meant to do. So hopefully, you know, it's like we, we start developing some... Because <laughs> we're here, you're hearing it from me. You know, like I I've had the good karma to actually meet Robert Thurman. Take I've also like in the front cover, 2004. Um, you know, honorary honorary editor Gajin Nagal, You see that? Turn to the very front of your book, Universal Vehicle Discourse Literature by Maitreyi Arasanga, together with the commentary by Vasubandhu, translated from the Sanskrit to in Chinese. So we have these people. Uh, and then honorary editor Gajin Nagao, right? I've met him. I've taken a course from him. I've spent my money, my inheritance, to learn this stuff. Okay? Yeah, well, I just, you know, so it means, it hits me in a different way than it hits you. 'cause I met these people, you know, and then talked to them and like they're real. So that's the way it has to be for it to like hear you and go, oh, okay. Like that. Yeah, you want to be like, oh they I heard it from that, you know. So if the Dalai Lama said to you, like, you know, really try to be kind this next week. It would be different than just hearing it, right? Yeah, why not? That's the idea. Okay. Somebody was then Elizabeth has Raise your hand all the way. Yeah. the downloaded this data. Yes. Okay, so Maitreya is dwelling in, uh, is the Buddha's regent, the loving Buddha, is dwelling in Tushida, where all the uh, Tushida heaven, where all the Buddhas come from. So uh, we know the story about Sangha, how he in retreat for 12 years, right? Got nothing. <laughs> I really can relate. And then finally, you know, as he was like, totally done, heading back into town, uh, you know, he he saw the dog on the road, who then appeared as Maitreya. So then Maitreya, um, at various times, took him up and gave him direct uh, teachings. So, that is an important part of the feeling, the realization around the text, that, um, you know, it has the authority and the luminosity and you know, that kind of quality to it. Dormant does go into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. does, but, but uh, everything's explained, but
0: the transmission isn't explained. And how those things happen isn't explained. How does some papa take transmission from man to You know, those things are the more intriguing things sometimes <laughs> than the actual s- stuff. The earth. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a, you know, that comes from totally practice. That's totally the result of practice. And uh, that's totally, you know, like whether Tsongkhapa is speaking directly with Manjushri or Asanga is directly speaking with Maitreya, that's that's coming from total and absolute surrender. You know, total surrender. You You will not, you know, that those kind of direct transmissions, which, you know, we believe in, uh, uh, come from, you know, just... uh, And other, you know, other human beings have that capacity, right? We have many transmissions, you know, whatever religious transmission is, right? You Mm -hmm. know, like Pentecost or Thomas seeing Jesus walking on the road, right? So uh, those are seen as completely valid, you know tulopa receiving direct transmission from you know uh, vajradara uh, padmasambhava you know receiving direct transmission and you know gab dorje and all that these incredibly uh, visionary and unexplainable things but it comes it has to come there must be a sense of complete surrender complete giving up of dualistic awareness That you you won't you won't be sitting here going well I'll believe you know if if my shows up (laughs) show you know show me a sign and I'll believe you know like oh you (laughs) terrible generation looking for signs right it won't show up it has it's always going to be complete surrender well what 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 we're doing uh, well and uh In our sadnas, right you know is uh we're connecting with that uh energy stream actually so um uh you know we're we're bringing forth you know our generation stage we're generating it from our side, and then we're also saying that uh the the jhana sattvas uh side the the wisdom being is joining with our produced being like that, so like that um, uh, it's sometimes that people uh, the the hard part, the tricky part is sometimes we we have a really strong feeling that there there is something going on, but it's still a production from our side, okay, so it feels. There's a strong, you have a strong generation stage practice, Um, so it's uh, we're keeping that in mind, and there's a sense of uh, maybe even uh, the Buddha Deva being there, but there's still a sense of generation going on. Uh, It's different when uh, it's it's really appears. It appears to come towards you rather than you're going toward it, and um, uh, there, there's a complete surrender and loss of control, you know, at that point. Yeah, there's not kind of like I'm um, manipulating <laughs> the, you know, energy. Yeah. So there, there's a complete loss of, you know, you're just, but you can't produce it. It's unproduced. Unproduced mind, so that's where it's tricky and even then it's possible of course um, because we're just delusional monkeys that you know to have a sense of ego inflation so that's why uh, it's lucky when we find good teachers so uh, you know when when you go running to your teaching go. I just had this incredible and they go, um, you're late for dinner. <laughs> yeah, because it's, when something's kind of phony, um, it's so easy to pop it. right? People get incredibly mad at me. I've had students get incredibly mad at me because they feel like they've had this incredible vision of this loving being and all you have to say is, you know, you, you forgot to leave your shoes at the door and they lose their shit. So what's that, right? You know it's total bullshit. So, uh, you know, of course, you know, llamas will test us too. Like that. Not always, but it's, it's total complete surrender. It's very difficult. We always want to hold back and say, I've got it. I own it. I own this experience. Don't we? Yeah, we always want to own it. Now I got it. Well, you don't have it. <laughs> you
0: don't. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. You know, you just—it would just be like, yeah, you're just in awe because uh, we generally don't think there's anything bigger than us, right? We know the universe and the galaxies are big and a billion times, but generally we feel like, know um, yeah. <laughs> for, yeah, we really don't, you know, we really are not used to something that is so totally outside our normal cognitive structure and emotional structure that actually, you know, is loving and powerful. and We, we just don't, you know, like that. Yeah. So even like Thomas Aquinas, you know, the great scholar, they said he had some vision and then Afterwards, said all my books are straw <laughs> because you just like if you you know you can't believe it. So I, I you know it's nice if when we have genuine experiences that we have a teacher that can still kind of refine the experience and and make sure it's not becoming some big inflated bubble over to the side or some deflated. Sometimes people have incredible experiences and they they think they're being kind of by dismissing it. Right? But the story about Asanga is really interesting because it it just shows the nature of how it goes like uh, you know, Maitreya appears, and what what does Asanga say? (laughs) Yeah, what do you sell on? That is so true! Because even in that act of surrender and visionary experience, there's there's still a vestige of self-cherishing. You know, and it had to really. Still, there was work to be done after that. The, the dangerous people are the people that have the vision and then go off and charge people five hundred thousand dollars for a weekend, right? Am, am I making it up? No. no you know, if you want to spend five thousand dollars for a weekend, go ahead. But I suggest you sign up for two t- children for what maybe a hundred and sixty for a weekend. <laughs> yeah. I know some people wanted to see Alan Wallace too. Is that good? Really good. Yeah. Said good thing. Oh good. Which study? Uh, this study. You know, oh just study. It's oh, okay, good. Like when reading, it's like, oh, I get it now. Okay. That's yeah, that's good. Yeah. You you don't want to just you don't want to be lost in the visionary world totally right you know because okay then Asanga did receive teachings right he didn't he didn't just run in and say you know just didn't spend the rest of his life saying I met my tray and you didn't you know he actually you know got some teachings correct so uh, if you're lucky and have good enough karma that you know. Gurum or Vajogini or Kalachakra show up, you can know, just, you know, after you recover, mm-hmm. then you should ask for teachings. Right? You shouldn't say, uh, okay, that's great, I got a great experience. I'm gonna show, you know, you wanted to get teachings, right? So all the great teachers do that. They've all, like, everyone, another, we're not reading biographies necessarily at this point, but if everyone reads, Uh, One of the first, you know, yeshit sogils, which is a biography about her, but you know, like how she took in and put the teachings into practice, right? She just didn't follow Guru Rimshair and go, you're great, you're great, and, you know, do nothing.
0: Mm
1: Hmm. Mm -hmm. We need at least six minutes of meditation. (laughs) So let me ring the bell for a few minutes before we end.
0: This has been a Lion's Roar Dharma Center recording. For more information, visit lionsroardharmacenter.org.